Warning, the following podcast spoils The Patriot, Joe Rogan's stand-up special Strange Times, Captain America Winter Soldier, Night at the Museum, The Dark Knight, Mommy Dead and Dearest, The Flash Game, Civil War Surgeon, and last but not least, as always, Fallout 4. Welcome to the Disc Dump. The Disc Dump Podcast. As always, I am your host, Miles Trout. And this is the show where we watch movies, play games, or listen to music in an effort to decide, are we going to keep the disc or are we going to dump them? Dun, dun, dun. As you have just heard, I am joined today by the lovely, wonderful, sweetest girl who I love and I have just celebrated three years of being together with and that would be Miss Lindsay no last name hi Lindsay <laughs> hello Miles how are you doing I'm good you we've been seeing each other for the last couple hours so it's, it is kind of weird to act like we're just now sitting down <laughs> together <laughs> but we weren't doing this no we so. weren't doing this yeah. this is a public forum now it is I, I don't know if that's the right terminology speaking of public forums we're going to be talking about some patriotic shit today because it's the 4th of July when I'm releasing this I imagine so (laughs) we watched The Patriot starring Mel Gibson directed by Roland Emmerich from the year 2000 and John Williams did the music let's put it all out there oh yeah oh yeah also starring Heath Ledger Jason Isaacs and Tom Wilkinson but first a brief (laughs) history This movie takes place in South Carolina in 1776. Mel Gibson plays Benjamin Martin, a widowed father of seven children. The British come, led by Colonel Tabington, played by Jason Isaacs. They burn down his plantation and they kill his son. Martin becomes the leader of the South Carolina militia, along with the French general Jean Veneuve and his oldest son Gabriel, played by Heath Ledger. They use guerrilla warfare to combat the British. They battle multiple skirmishes until Gabriel is killed by Tappington. During the Battle of Cowpens, Martin faces off against Colonel Tappington to the death. Of course, Martin wins, and eventually the Patriots win the war for independence. Were you a big history buff when you were in school? I loved history. Yeah? I, I did. That was the one subject that I naturally did well in. Um, I was just fascinated with the stories that my teachers told and maybe I just always had really great history teachers or professors but they always made the stuff that they were teaching into into like stories and I just found it so fascinating if I wouldn't have gotten my degree in psychology I definitely would have studied um history yeah and probably American history too yeah 
Or World War II. So what would you have done with a history degree? So I know I know like one person that has a history degree and she has a graduate degree and she teaches at um, a university. Uh, so she is a professor, hmm. which is it's, it's an incredibly cool job. It sounds like she went through a lot of school and um, I know that her thesis was very intense. So I can only imagine. Yeah. But at the same time, like. What else could you possibly do with a degree of history other than tell people about history? I guess that's kind of the whole point is to be a teacher of history if you know a lot about history. Right. Like you could be in a museum. Yeah. And even then you're just teaching people like this painting came from Rembrandt. Exactly. (laughs) Teachers are incredibly important because Mm -hmm. we need to educate ourselves and we are still learning about so many events that, you know, don't make their way into the history books so true that and they're like okay i don't want to get super racy about it but the fact (laughs) that they're tearing down monuments and stuff and trying to eradicate the flag from textbooks is a little uh it's okay to take down the monuments maybe put them in a museum but just to pretend things didn't happen is fucking wild to me but you know i i think we disagree on that we do disagree on that Definitely. Yeah. You, you think yeah. that the images of the flag should be taken out of textbooks? Yeah. Why? I, I think if something is causing someone pain, there's no reason that it should be inflicting inflicting pain on somebody. So if, if racial images are causing someone pain, there's no reason that they have to see that. They have to see that at school. You know, you don't know their history. You don't know what happened to their parents or them, or, or them for that matter. Yeah. Maybe somebody they know was lynched, you know, the stuff like this is still happening. So, mm-hmm. you know, if, if there's an image out there and it's upsetting and it's in public domain, I definitely think it should be taken down or it should be censored. I mean, I understand for like fun stuff like, oh, I have a skateboard with the Confederate flag on it. That's dumb. That shouldn't be necessarily a thing. But like... I feel like it's kind of like swastikas. There is an appropriate time that you can see it. And I would think that would be a textbooks where you can like look at it and go, hey, this is a bad thing that happened in history. You can look at it. I'm not by any means going, we should have our southern flags. Like that's real dumb. I don't think that people should represent that. But at the same time, I think that erasing it from history is not the move. I don't think that's what they're trying to do. I think they're they're not trying to erase that part of history. I think they're trying to get away with how dominant that image is because it's just such a negative thing Mm -hmm. whether it's a nazi flag or if it's a confederacy flag like they mean so many negative things to people in a lot of cases as they should Mm -hmm. and again if it hurts somebody if it makes somebody feel bad i don't i don't think it's it should be out there we should be still learning about these issues though of course and you know we definitely are so, you know, I, I understand a lot of people are upset with statues coming down and stuff like that, but it's just it's just a statue. It really is. Your mm-hmm. kids are still going to learn about it. And if it hurts somebody, then put it in a museum. Put it somewhere where it doesn't have to be seen every day. Yeah, I don't know where they're taking them, but from what I understand, it's not museums. So I don't know. I know some of them are getting just destroyed, but right. like... A- Okay, so this is very likely to be fake news, but the people on the right are telling me, the people who believe in all the right-wing stuff are like, they have armed guards protecting 
uh, the Lincoln Memorial because people keep coming and trying to deface it. And that doesn't make any sense because he's the one who ended slavery. And I'm like, that wouldn't make any sense. You're right. I don't know if it's true or not, but, you know, the kind of people, the YouTube people are like, hmm, anyway. Yeah, so I don't I don't know if that's if that's true or not. I, I know that a lot of statues of people that were, are seen negatively in history are being targeted. Um, but Abraham Lincoln is definitely not one that I would consider somebody being targeted. Um, he also didn't end slavery. I know, but he was yeah. kind of the guy that gets the credit for it. He's on like the $5 bill and the penny. He's kind of got a lot going for him. Right. Deface your pennies, if anything. anyway so yeah like and they like ripped down ulysses s grant that was kind of a weird move but anyway not trying to get super racy about it it's just what's happening right Right. now you know so but what isn't happening right now is the the war for freedom of the united states (laughs) (laughs) yes um so the movie the patriot takes place after i know that miles just did his brief history on this but it does um take place in south carolina and a major part of the film is the battle of cowpens which we see at the end the cowpens cowpens yep as in like pins on cows like c-o-w-p-e-n-s oh cowpens cowpens yes so they're cowpen that you like write with and it has cows on it uh-huh. Anyway, I've never heard of this battle. It's kind of crazy that it's, it's like the main it's battle. It's definitely not the, a bigger one, but um, yeah. Man, war was so dumb back then. Stand in a line and everyone take turns just hailing walls of bullets at each other. Yeah, I don't, I don't get that either because we know for a fact that guerrilla warfare has been going on for forever, like mm-hmm. did way before this. But I guess the proper way to fight somebody back then was to run up to them and shove a gun pretty close to their face and then shoot them and that was like the the military colleges were like whoa must be civilized right and that was their approach to it but mel gibson don't give a fuck about that mel gibson's up in everybody's (laughs) shit with his tomahawks and yeah so yeah mel gibson in this movie is like super duper badass especially for a guy that's wearing like tight ass pants and big tall boots yeah i i mean i thought the clothes were period appropriate and i had actually Mm -hmm. read a little bit about it and they had um consulted with this smithsonian institute on all of their clothing so they were trying to get it as close as possible but they did not look very comfortable no those things are thick cotton especially for south carolina in the summer like yeah i don't understand why any like everyone was fully clothed it didn't make any sense to me well if i'm not mistaken the theory is that the cotton absorbs your sweat and then you're just wet and itchy in there but the wetness keeps you cool in theory but you're also still sweating yeah so something like that yeah it's the revolutionary war i enjoyed it when we were studying it but it wasn't something i ever really thought about again unless it was july like we'd study it every year for the first like 10 years of my education for a little while and then i think about it again in july and i just don't think about it again after that so i don't know if you noticed this um with your history like through 
public education especially, but like you always started in the same spot and then you always ended in the same spot. Mm -hmm. So like the information they gave you was just a little tiny bit more detailed every year. Yes. But like we never, we never like talked about anything past, I don't know, like the industrial revolution. That's usually about where it would end. Right. And you'd start off with like Native Americans. Mm Mm-hmm. And it just would go up to that point, and then they'd be like, uh, what was his name? Boss Tweed or whatever. Mm-hmm. And then this guy happened, and then you might talk about presidents. Right. Maybe, um, like, there was one that, like, one class that went up to the 60s at one right. point. Right. Yeah. yeah, they got, they got into civil rights just a little bit, and then, like, summertime, and then you start all over again with the with the Native Americans. Yes. So. Which they were not shy about calling Indians when we were kids. Right, <laughs> yeah. right. Um, so something interesting about this movie is there was not one Native American in it. No, they just they were bad guys in this movie, if anything, because uh, Mel Gibson like slaughtered and tortured them at right. the Battle of Wilderness, Fort Wilderness. Yeah, there was no character that was Native American. Nope. There was a a black character in the film. That was such a forced like tale of oh i hate you black man too we're the best friends black man i'm crying because you're free yeah so i don't i don't even know if that's true if they did say that like if you join if you join the union army or not the union it wasn't the union if you join the americans like you would get your freedom after a year because it's like the separatists and the loyalists right is that what they were called i think so. and then the separatists just ended up being called the patriots and that's why they were like, I'm a patriot. Mm, something like that. Yeah. So um, I, I feel like that was a thing. But a lot of times, as soon as black people were freed, they'd just be captured by somebody and be told that they were a slave still. Well, especially in South Carolina, like their chance of freedom or even being treated well, I'm sure was not very great. No. So if not for that guy from what was the the sitcom that dude was on not my wife and kids but uh the guy that hated the black guy and they made a whole point out of that guy being mean to the black guy talk like this um the the chubby guy that was she got shot and the black guy saved him i have no idea what you're talking about the two people the black guy and the white guy that like had that relationship through the whole movie where he started off hating the black guy and in the, in the patriot yeah 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 donald logue that's his yeah. name He's also in Blade, and mm-hmm. he's in. Uh, he was a dad in a sitcom, so I forever see him as a dad in a sitcom when I see him in things. Yeah. So yeah, I thought that he was that whole arc, that character arc. I'm glad it was in there because if they didn't address it, that'd have been real fucking weird. But they that part of the story, I feel like, really lacked in substance. Yeah, he was considered a background character. Yeah. Yeah, they were like, <clears throat> okay, in order to make this historic relevant, let's let's put a black character in here. Yeah. yeah. And like Mel Gibson's character was super progressive. He didn't have a single slave. He just paid all of the black people who worked with him, which I'm not sure. I think they just wanted the audience to like Mel Gibson. So they were like, he can't be a slave owner because then you would not like him. Right. So you're probably right. They were definitely really progressive white dudes in this movie. Mm-hmm. So they were, everyone was like, nah, we like him. <laughs> yeah. If people aren't like that today, I can't imagine. In 2020, I can't imagine back in 1776. Is that when this movie takes place? I was very conflicted about his character because, like, the way that they they start the film, 
is that he's trying to build this chair. So I don't know, the way that they introduced him to me is like somebody who, it was almost like this comedic aspect of the character. It was like, this guy's trying to build a chair and he can't do it. And it's mm-hmm. funny because he, he sits on the chair and it falls apart, blah, blah, blah. And then like, we meet him again and it's like all serious, you know? Like I it the scene doesn't really make any sense and I didn't think it needed to be in there. I think maybe it had something to do with his want and need to be something he wasn't. I think that the chair represented domestic life for him. And, like, he's good at at murder as his, like, primary skill set. And he's trying, like you said, trying to be something he's not. So the chair kind of represents, like, I'm trying to hold my family together after my wife died. I'm trying to fill the role that a woman would traditionally take in that time era which is taking care of the kids and stuff so he's trying to like pull and pull his shit together and be like this is how my family's working and then he sat down on the chair and it broke and he's just like son of a bitch but it is pretty funny later when he's looking at the chair and just like huh <laughs> right so yeah that brings us to the it, it relates again to another scene where he is uh visiting general cornwallis and they're trying to make a like a treaty to get some prisoners and um, General Cornwallis has this beautiful, sturdy chair sitting in the corner. <laughs> yeah. And, like, he goes over and, like, investigates it and stuff and, like, just acts really interested in the chair. I thought that was so funny. Yeah. And it's it's not even like it was, like, a wealth or prestige kind of thing because Mel Gibson's character didn't want either of those things. You know what I mean? Like, that his character didn't see like didn't see the importance in that his character was more about like family and fighting for your freedom practicality right so i don't really understand where they were going with that whole thing because i i don't agree with you you don't think it represented domestic life no because that would mean that general cornwallis was into domestic life and we definitely didn't seem that well, aspect of him maybe not maybe it's more his relationship with domestic life is the chair not that all chairs are like domestic life so much as his relationship with rocking chairs which like if you think about rocking chairs the whole purpose of that is to rock babies to sleep so that is where i'm coming from like this chair the whole purpose of it is to rock babies to sleep they look hard as fuck to make they don't look easy to make and mm-hmm. then he broke it when he sat down on it or whatever but I think that it is kind of a nod from the writer that, like, he is interested in these chairs because it, it means something more to him than just being a chair. Yeah, maybe. I just, I don't see how that relates to Cornwallis, even though uh, the one thing that you are saying that kind of makes sense is about the babies, because by the end of the film, he does have a new baby with uh, his dead wife's sister. Oh, yeah, that's right. I forgot. Yeah. That the lady from Nip Tuck is like the love interest in this movie. Mm-hmm. You ever watch that show, Nip Tuck? Uh, I have. Her name's Jolie Richardson. Ah. Yeah. I think that she is married to Steve Carell. Is she? I think so. She's a badass bitch in Nip Tuck. Yeah. Yeah. I love that show. Yeah. I want to actually get back into that show. I wonder if it's on Hulu. Anyway. Um. Yeah. She's she's, uh. Super important character with 11 lines in this movie, maybe. Mm-hmm. <laughs> like, it's, they're just like, and we sum up the kids by giving her to the pretty lady. Now, right. back to the carnage. Uh, something I forgot, I thought that Heath Ledger died at, like, the very beginning of the movie for some reason. I thought he was the one who died and the little kid, like, went on for whatever reason. 
I forgot that Heath Ledger's character died. Did you? Yeah. You had like mentioned it while we were watching it. And I was like, I don't remember him dying in this movie. Oh, yeah. Yeah. I remember his wife dying in the, that whole scene with his town, which is like completely devastating. Yeah. But, when like, they, the, oh, man. Yeah. Lucius Malfoy is such a dick in this movie. Mm-hmm. What's his name again? Jason Isaacs. Jason Isaacs. Yeah. He's such a dick in this movie. Yeah, he really is. He's really good, though. Yeah. His acting prowess is pretty phenomenal. Uh, his, he's, he's pretty. His fight choreography is leaves something to be desired. But <laughs> this movie definitely is like the end of an era for action movies. Like the way they produced it as far as like all of the fight scenes are clear. Like they put it in slow motion, but I think they do it on purpose because if they made it in regular fast time it they are not moving very fast mm-hmm. and all the all the especially my favorite scene in this movie okay is the scene where lucius malfoy kills the kid kills uh mel gibson's kid mm-hmm. and then he takes the other little kids and he hands them guns he's like let's go get these motherfuckers <laughs> and they go and they like that scene is so like nerve-wracking and exhilarating and it's just so good but the hand-to-hand combat parts of it are like not what i remember i just that's that scene was it was a lot like if you think about how old those kids are Mm -hmm. i mean what would you say seven and nine at the oldest Yeah. yeah yeah so one they were really good shots for seven and nine Mm -hmm. and two like it takes like three minutes to reload one of those guns yeah. Yeah. And they were just like, plan, plan, plan. I know. I know. But but just the amount of trauma that would cause a kid to see that. Yeah. yeah. But they're also saving their brother's life because he's about to get lynched. So yeah. I don't, I, what would you do? Would you take your kids and go save your, the oldest kid? And... You know, I almost felt like you didn't need the kids to be there. <laughs> yeah. I mean, it was just a distraction, I think. So yeah. that it looked like he was everywhere. But that's putting your children in like, serious danger yeah so um well he's clearly a fucking psychopath he like chopped that dude into little itty bitty pieces yeah, in front like of his kids covered in blood afterwards too yeah 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 it was I mean, a lot talk about trauma watching your dad just execute people is probably pretty traumatic yeah so do you remember the quote that he like said to the kids which one when they were shooting or like what he told them aim small miss small yeah i love that yeah so apparently that is from um training when mel gibson and heath ledger were learning how to shoot the muskets during the film the um the gun trainer (laughs) firearm specialist (laughs) yeah yeah he he told them that he said aim small miss small Mm -hmm. so that's that's where they got the line and um, I guess Mel Gibson just like improvised it in there. Really? That's yeah. kind of cool. Yeah. Yeah. Cause I mean, the, I guess I understand the concept is like, if you, instead of just aiming for the dude and missing the dude, aim for like the zipper on his pants mm-hmm. and you may not hit the zipper, but you hit the dude. Right. I think that's the general gist of it. You ever fire a muzzle loader? No. I have. Oh, that's cool. Yeah. They said you pull the trigger and you have to wait a second. So I was like expecting it to have to wait a second. So I filled it up and I pounded the thing in and I put the cotton in and whatever. And I aimed and a shot and it just went blam right away. I was like, that's not what you said was going to happen. So it scared the shit out of me because I was like, wait, like I was preparing myself to wait. So as soon as I lifted it up, I pulled the trigger and I thought I was going to aim after that. Nope. It just went right off. So it depends (laughs) on how much like 
whatever the process is, like how you do it. I just must have done it like perfectly because it felt like a 22 when I shot it. Wow. And I shot like three or four of them. It was pretty cool. That is cool. Yeah. So my thought too was with guns back then and any sort of infection back in the day. This, this infection? Was, yeah. yeah. It's before, you know, any sort of antibiotic or any sort of medicine really mm-hmm. at all or cleanliness would yeah. have probably killed you. They just would have chopped off your leg and called it a day. I mean, there was definitely some amputations we got to see in this movie. <laughs> yeah, we did. So, yeah, I, I didn't know if maybe that line came from that, too. I remember when I was a little kid, there was a flash game on the computer that was Civil War Doctor was what it was called. So <laughs> the whole thing was you had to, like, amputate legs and stuff in this flash game. So you had to do everything in the correct order, and the anesthesia was just whiskey. So you had to give them enough whiskey they didn't feel it, but not enough that they would suddenly throw up and then they would all go away and stuff. That's and, funny. Uh, yeah, and then we learned about it in school, that the way the amputations work, they just would start sawing, they'd peel back a layer, start sawing, peel back a layer. It was pretty gross. So, yeah, there was a couple of things that I wanted to bring up, if that's okay. I would love to hear it. <laughs> uh, so Mel Gibson's character um, apparently is not a real person, but it was based off of two important people during this war. The first person is Francis Marion, who was also known as the Swamp Fox. Yes, that was the guy I thought he was based off of. The Silver Fox. No, just (laughs) kidding, the Swamp Fox. Um, He created guerrilla warfare in the war, Mm -hmm. I guess in this war. He didn't overall create it, as we know, but... He instituted um, it with the militias. Right. So uh, that was the first guy. The other guy is Colonel Andrew Pickens. Uh, Colonel Pickens was in charge of the South Carolina militia, and he had some um, character details that were a lot like uh, Mel Gibson's character. So the British actually torched his house, and they had killed his son. Um, and they said that a lot of his behaviors and a lot of his um, his success in the war dealt with the anger that he felt towards the British. But why was he so angry at the British? They killed his son and torched his house. Oh, well, okay. That makes sense. <laughs> I imagine I'd be a little miffed about that. Too. Right, right. Just a little. <laughs> so um, Colonel Tar- Colonel Tavington is based off of somebody named Colonel Tarlington, who was under Cornwallis. He was a bad guy. Nobody liked him, including, including Cornwallis. Uh, he got into a lot of trouble for being very, um, very mean to Americans during the war. Mm-hmm. Burning their houses down and lynching them all kinds of horrible things yeah he doesn't seem very nice and i didn't look up if that had actually happened with the church Mm -hmm. um burning up during the war but i wouldn't be surprised no um i know stuff like that has happened during world war ii so yeah stuff like that happens in every war yeah rape and murder and all that terrible terrible shit right I i thought the relationship built between mel gibson's character and the french dude I think that worked out pretty well as far as being a storytelling thing. Although it was pretty sudden that they were friends at the end. Yeah, so I feel like when I watched the movie before, like their relationships had developed much more than I yeah. thought it did. But I guess not. Um, but mm-hmm. yeah, like you said, at the end, they're they're buddy-buddy. Because Everybody was friends at the end. They've been through so much shit together. Yeah, <laughs> but at the same, like... I don't know. And there was a couple points. Okay, my brain is starting to, like, fire on all cylinders now. Um, There was a point where Heath Ledger, after fighting with his father for months and watching his father chop people up with a fucking hatchet tomahawk, 
that out of nowhere he goes, those people are going to surrender. We need to be better than this. Meanwhile, on many occasions up to that point, he watched his father just rip people into pieces. And that didn't bother him until suddenly it did, which was really strange to me that Heath Ledger was just like, hey, no, we got to be better than that. And Mel Gibson's like, what? <laughs> yeah, I, I mean, I don't really agree with that. I don't, I don't, they didn't really say how long that they had been fighting together, but I thought that was towards the beginning of the film where they were like, no, they said, you know, they said that they surrender and you guys killed them anyway. And then the French guy's like, so, yeah, yeah. yeah. Um, it, they didn't really detail exactly how long they'd been fighting together after the militia had been started, but I um, didn't really think it had been that long. That was when they, they had fought a couple of people and that was when they captured Cornwallis's personal effects and the dogs. That was at that point. So they had fought a whole bunch of stuff up to that point, I'm pretty sure. I don't think you're right about that. That's fine. You can be wrong. <laughs> okay. That's fine. Okay. Um, but I, I do think that that happened pretty early on. I thought they were still actually training because I, I remember the scene before that was the French guy being like, shoot. Yeah, they, were, they were training and stuff, but right. they also fought people mm-hmm. before that. I'm pretty sure. But that was when they captured Cornwallis's shit. Okay. Yeah, don't. Okay. Dogs good eating. Dogs good eating is what he said. And then he proceeded not to eat the dogs the whole movie. Yeah, because they were freaking dogs. They're adorable. Big, giant. What kind of dogs were they? Their names were Jupiter and Mars, and they were Great Danes. Great Danes, yes. Would you ever get a Great Dane? If I had a great big house. Yeah, he'd need a big fucking house. <laughs> and they only live like eight years. Yeah. It's very Poor sad. Thing. Yeah. I was playing D&D with, uh, with Will, and I was telling him how, like, some species of creature in D&D only lives like eight years. And he goes, oh, man, that's how long Great Danes live. And it took me so off guard. <laughs> it's just like, what? Oh, yeah, I guess you're right. <laughs> like, I just don't think of things in a metric of Great Dane years. <laughs> I don't know. Anyway, the scene where Mel Gibson gets the riffraff from the bar and forms a militia was pretty funny. He walks in and he goes, God save the king. And then they all threw, like, knives and shit at him. I like that, that too. Was, that was pretty yeah. funny. And it seemed like a lot of those people actually knew him. Mm. So, yeah. yeah maybe they, they're just messing with him. At that point, yeah. And did you notice that guy who was in the in the barn, um, he, like, became his, like, side friend. Mm-hmm. He was the one that eventually committed suicide after he found his wife and his son dead. Yes. Um, he was actually in, I think he was in Pirates of the Caribbean. I think you're right. Yeah. And he also plays that, like, side character, like, rough best friend yeah I, I was trying to put my finger on what i had seen him in and i think that was it was pirates of the caribbean or something right i feel like i don't know why i feel like he played ben franklin in a movie but i could be wrong you could have i don't know i don't know um, either maybe in like assassin's creed or something he played ben franklin yeah i was pretty surprised that his character committed suicide i didn't really see that coming or remember that yeah same here i was just like whoa like, i know when he saw the little redhead kid all dead and stuff yeah, yeah. it was very sad it was, it was quite gruesome and shocking yeah for sure so did you figure out where charlestown was where charlestown yeah was? uh it's charlestown charleston is in uh the uh, South Carolina. Yeah, yeah, so they called it Charlestown back there. So it wasn't mm. actually Charleston until after the war. Uh-huh. I thought that was interesting. Yeah, and then, like, right when they left, the British came and just fucking whomped it. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. He was, like, in town, like, voting that we shouldn't join the colonies 
in fighting against the war. His three reasons right. for not joining the war. And he's like, I believe in taxation without representation. I don't believe in it. Right. Yeah, I, I thought it was interesting that he made a point to say that exact sentence because, like, that would, like, trigger, or not trigger, but, like, blink in American minds, like, from, from like, school. That was the main reason. Yeah. Yeah, that so. and uh, what was his other reason? Uh, not to let his, the main reason was he didn't want to like die and leave his kids behind, but, uh, taxation without representation and self-governance. So he was like pro the Patriots stuff, but he was also just like, but my kids, right. I liked the dude's comeback where he's like, war is not fought by, uh, childrenless men. I was like, Oh, that's a good way to say it. I didn't say it very well, but he said it pretty well in the movie. And apparently this took place after the battle of Bunker Hill, which is a battle I actually remember from high school yeah. because the, the, uh, the hills ran red with blood because of so many people getting shot. Hundreds of people died at that battle. Right. I, I remember hearing that about Gettysburg, not about Bunker Hill. I but, heard um, it was, that happened at both of them, Pickett's Charge and stuff. Mm-hmm. Because we're from Pennsylvania in a very close proximity to uh, Gettysburg, for those of you who are in, like, Indiana or California, um, we are very close to Gettysburg, relatively speaking. So, uh, at least in my schooling, they spent, like, a huge amount of time talking about Gettysburg, which is the Civil War, not the Revolutionary War. Right. But, like... They really drilled that shit home on us. There was, we've gone almost every year. We'd go to Gettysburg on field trips and walk the battlefield and all that shit. I think we went once in, yeah. in seventh grade, maybe. Well, that sounds about right. Yeah, it was a, it was a hot field trip though. We had like one of those coach buses, and it, the mm-hmm. whole thing took all day. Yeah, um, it was fun though. Bunker Hill. Bunker Hill. Where's Bunker Hill, Miles? America. Where in America? South Carolina. No. Uh, North Carolina. No, wait, way, way, way north. Oh, Boston. Yes. Really? Yes. Oh shit. I yeah, just... it's in um Fallout. Really? Mm-hmm. I don't know if I made it to Bunker Hill when I played Fallout. I get too ADHD with that game. I like, <laughs> I start playing it and I go, you know what I need to do? Make a new character. I was the same way with Skyrim. Like I'd play for like a hundred hours and be like, I'm tired of hitting things with hammers, and I would just start a new character. Are you bringing up? the image right now i'm looking up the battle of bunker hill oh okay okay so the battle of bunker hill was fought on june 17 1775 during the siege of boston in the early stages of the american revolutionary war you're gonna do my brief history because you're gonna talk about all this history shit <laughs> i don't like history like that like don't get me wrong i'm not like a dummy who doesn't understand it and doesn't care to know it so much as like I already learned it, and I took my test, and I'm a dummy who doesn't care to know. Mm. <laughs> so exactly the opposite of what point I was just trying to make. But I started doing a little bit of research to, like, do the brief history, and my eyes started to cross, and I went, this is boring. <laughs> if there aren't battles involved, I just don't seem to care too, too much mm. about, like, 300 years ago. Right. It was a long time ago. Yeah. Um. Joe Rogan has a funny joke where he's like, the country was formed in 1776. That's 300 years ago. People live to be 100 years old. That was three people ago. And it was just like, <laughs> blew my mind. It's like, they flew across the sea with the power of the wind. Anyway, <laughs> it's pretty great. That's pretty funny. Mm-hmm. Oh, so apparently, and something else that I read that was interesting was uh, Heath Ledger had almost given up acting before this movie. Really? 
because the only movies that he was getting cast as was like heartthrob characters and he wanted to be taken seriously so he was up against a whole bunch of young actors um i know freddie prince jr um just a whole bunch of younger actors went up for the role of gabriel um but he ended up getting it so he decided to stay in america and um take that role is he british in real life he's australian in real life Oh. And so is... Mel Gibson. Yeah. So the most patriotic American people in this movie are not Americans. I thought it was interesting that they were both Australian and they were playing Americans. And like this movie is called The Patriot and it's all about freedom. That is interesting. I figured out... Okay, so the kid that had the chess pieces that his dad made him into bullets and stuff. The kid who died at the very beginning. Right. He was Thomas. on a whole shitload of Disney Channel stuff. Yeah. He, he was in Xenon, Girl of Tomorrow or whatever it is. Yeah. Girl he, of the 21st Century. He also played um, Everett on, um, God, what was that show? He was on Harriet the Spy. He was on the TV show or the movie? The movie. He was in the movie Harriet the Spy. He was also uh, in the movie Small Soldiers, which is, go ahead. Everwood. Did you ever see the show Everwood? Uh -uh. So it was Chris Pratt. It was him. And it was the girl um, that plays Peggy Carter's niece. Oh, okay. Like some Captain America Winter Soldier lady. Mm -hmm. Okay. Yeah. Uh, So that's what I knew him from. Sorry. I didn't mean to interrupt you. No, it's okay. (laughs) The first PG-13 movie I saw in the theater was Small Soldiers. And I thought I was a badass dude. And uh, that kid is like the main kid in that movie. Oh, okay. And that's where I learned about the song Love is a Battlefield, <laughs> which is really appropriate for the theme of today's episode, <laughs> which is America. America. But I think this is a great time for us to take our brief little break and uh, maybe come back with a fun, exciting segment that we all love. Hello, lads and ladies. Thank you for listening to this episode of the podcast based on the Patriot. Um, I just want to let you guys know how to get a hold of me and all that kind of good stuff. If you want to email me, it's discdumppod at gmail.com. That's D-I-S-C-D-U-M-P-P-O-D at gmail.com. Don't forget the little peepee in there. It's important. On Twitter, I'm at the discdump. It's a great place to see Uh, Some of the promotional other podcasts that I'm connecting to and potentially going to hook up with and do some cross-promotional stuff with. So there's all kinds of stuff that's going up on the Twitter and I'm ending up with a little bit more of a following there, slowly but surely. On Instagram, it's Disc Dump Podcast. You can see exclusive pictures of the setup and stuff like that on there. So Instagram is where you're going to see all the fun pictures, especially for episode 25 you're gonna want to look at the Instagram because there are gonna be some funny pictures on there. 
on uh, Facebook. It's the Distump Podcast page. I would appreciate it if you would like that because the more likes I get on there, there the higher likelihood I will someday be monetized. Stupid how all this stuff works. But if you, the real meat and potatoes of the Facebook is the group, the Distump Podcast fans. It's where a lot of people can chit chat. You can get a hold of people who are on the show talk with them about it, maybe recommend some future episodes, that sort of thing. Last but not least, if you could rate, review, and subscribe to the podcast on Apple, that would be rad as rad gets. So first, I want to recommend a podcast to you guys. It's called Aftermath, and it's produced by the Fire Pit Creative Group. It's super fun radio drama kind of audiobook thing going. Where they have sound effects and stuff. It's a post-apocalyptic sci-fi thriller. And uh, I'm a couple episodes into it. And I got to say, I'm liking it. I'm liking it a lot. They got real nice people that are uh, producing it too. Cole specifically. I've been talking to him. He's the narrator of the show. He seems like a real nice guy. So I recommend you guys check that podcast out. It's called Aftermath. I also want to say thank you to Lindsay. I always count on you to be on a podcast with me when the need arises. So thank you and happy anniversary. We're recording this on our anniversary. Talk about a cool girlfriend, am I right? I also want to say thank you to Timmy. He has been doing a lot of extra work to help me out for no reason other than he's a nice guy. So he's helping me produce the podcast at this point. Maybe I'll have him come up with a little signature on the end of it or something. Uh, So thank you, Timmy, for all of the assistance, especially with all the technical difficulties I've had lately that came out of nowhere. I was in a pretty good little rhythm. And of course, just things happen. I don't know. Speaking of things just happening, Mike Munoz tried to help me figure out how to fix my problem. Um, I appreciate you trying to help, Mike. Thank you so much. And last but not least, I want to thank Matt Suter. Uh, you might recognize that name from the uh, the Day of the Dead episode. Matt is trying to fix my computer for me, my old computer. So hopefully I will have a backup if, worst case scenario, a bunch of weird stuff happens again. I'll be able to maybe even have video on here soon, which would be crazy weird. Alrighty, so I just want you guys to enjoy the rest of the episode. Happy 4th of July. Take it easy. Bye-bye now. So here's another segment of terrible drink. Terrible drink. Terrible drink. Terrible. Terrible. Terrible drink. So today, what I have for you is the wonderful Ting sparkling grapefruit flavored beverage. You want to talk about it a little <laughs> yes. bit? Yes. Today's episode is sponsored by. No, it's not. <laughs> <laughs> Today's episode is not sponsored by Ting sparkling grapefruit. Tang sparkling grapefruit flavored beverage is 10.14 fluid ounces or 300 milliliters Mm. of carbonated beverage from grapefruit concentrate Mm. made with Caribbean grapefruit juice Mm. with pulp. With pulp. It's Jamaican. It's 6% juice. And it contains carbonated water, sugar, concentrated grapefruit juice, citric acid, natural grapefruit flavor, and sodium citrate. Ooh. Well, it may be from Jamaica, 
but it's prepared in Canada. <laughs> that makes sense, right? Shoot it over a country and then back down. <laughs> Alrighty, let's pop this bad boy. Uh, simply the best ting when coming in stimulating your taste buds. Exciting and invigorating. Also known as a real Jamaican gem. Oh, that's why it's called ting. It packed with real grapefruit juice in every sip. Get ready to enjoy the refreshing beverage straight or mix it to your favorite cocktails. Either way, hashtag it's a Jamaican ting. It's a Jamaican ting, It's man. a Jamaican ting. That's the thing. I was wondering why I was called Ting. I was like, this is a terrible Make name sure for whatever this is. Make sure you use that as your hashtag. Hashtag, t- it's a terrible Ting? No. <laughs> <laughs> hashtag, it's a Jamaican Ting. Okay. Uh, all right. So here we go. We're going to give you, it's a Jamaican Ting. I'm going to save this bottle cap. Miles is using his hand of the, hand of the king? Hand of the king pin. Hand of the king um, Game of Thrones pin. I tell you what, the first air that came flying out of this smells fucking delicious oh this thing doesn't work for shit so my my mom really likes grapefruit crushes so i would say this probably would be great with that it's okay Ooh, smells good here let me see your your glass i'm gonna pour you into this aromatic glass here oh invigorating it's uh white soda water yes it um it looks like Sprite and coconut juice. Or even just, yeah, it's a little, it's a little cloudy. It smells like it smells, Sprite. It smells very good. It's a terrible drink. It's a terrible drink. That is not bad at all. It's a little tart. It is a little tart. It tastes like Sprite. It's like excessively tart Sprite. Yeah. It like sizzles in my mouth. I might have to mix rum with this later. That's pretty good. I like it. You like it? I'm keeping that in there. That <laughs> nasty thing you just did. <laughs> she poured it in her mouth and opened her mouth up to the microphone. <laughs> I had to show everybody. Yep. It's extremely carbonated. Just do that. Put it in your mouth and just like let it sit. It burns. I why know. do you do that? You never want to do that with any kind of soda. I don't know why I trusted you. Because it's like carbonated and it's like, it's like infiltrating your mouth. Infiltration. All right. So, uh, terrible or not terrible, Lindsay? Definitely not terrible. Definitely not terrible. No, this is the nicest terrible drink I've ever had in my life. Yeah? Yeah. I would say it's definitely not terrible. Yeah. And I know what you have planned for me for the future. So. Yeah. Uh, I guess it's a good time to talk about it. All right, everybody. You've heard terrible drink. Uh, to just briefly explain the segment, I uh, my mom used to buy drinks be- at discount grocery stores that were like out of production. So she would buy a case of it, and if we liked it, she'd go and buy a bunch more, which led us to have a lot of drinks that I just didn't like. But because we didn't throw things away, we'd have cases of drinks that I didn't necessarily like. So when people would come over, I'd be like, hey, do you want to try a, a terrible drink and a water? And so I would bring up these drinks and we'd experiment and sometimes they were good. Most of the time they were not good. And that mm-hmm. is the history of terrible drink. So, uh, and it that's is... how Miles got rid of excess sodas and juices. Yes. Oh yeah. It's, <laughs> it's definitely a thing. The most vivid one I remember, it was called wild thing energy drink and it was supposed to increase your libido. And my mom didn't realize that's what it was. <laughs> and it was, yeah, it was not a great thing to consume. Yeah. And did t- you, did you drink it around your friends? 
Yeah. Did, I, was it weird? The, the <laughs> only reason, actually, we just, the seven-year anniversary of when I found out what it was just came up on my Facebook, and uh, my friend Alan really liked it, so I gave him, like, all, like, there were so many of them, and he looked, he had a smartphone back then, which was hot shit, and he looked at it, and he goes, actually, it looks like there are Wild Thing girls, and they, like, go around to events, and they dress in, like, hot pants and stuff, and <laughs> try and push this energy drink that's supposed to increase your libido, so I don't know what he ended up doing with them, but I do know that we, I consumed entirely too many of them. They did not increase your libido. They were just gross. Mm, I believe it. Mm-hmm. This is probably going to be a pretty short episode. Sorry, everybody, that we don't have a... I don't have a whole lot to say about The Patriot other than I like this movie. It's action-packed. There's a scene where a guy gets decapitated by a, a, a cannon, which is pretty cool. And there's, like, scenes where people's limbs get blown off, like, their legs and shit. Right. Those yeah. scenes are cool. Um. I remember watching this movie a lot when I was a kid. We had we totally had it on VHS. Did you have it on VHS? No, I, I didn't learn about it till we watched it in like middle school. Oh wow. Okay. Yeah. So I remember watching this um, on our boat or at home, um, and I really liked this movie. I don't think my sister was that big of a fan of it. I'll have to ask her. You watched um, it on a boat. Mm-hmm. You had a little VHS player. Was it a TV with a built-in VHS player? Probably was. We we did have that. We had, like, the VHS and the DVD. Oh, shit. Yeah, and this, like, little, like, box size one. <laughs> <laughs> um, and then, but, but yeah, um, the fight scenes in this are actually extremely graphic. It almost yeah. makes me wonder if this one was rated R because of how violent it, it was. It absolutely was, yeah. Really? Oh, yeah. Huh. Are you kidding me? There's dude's head gets blown off and blood shoots everywhere. This is definitely a hard R. Yeah. This and is also a suicide scene. Yeah. yeah. You're right. And it's like riding the coattails of Braveheart, which is also very graphically violent. Right. Yeah. Um. I don't like because Roland Emmerich has also done. He's he does a lot of like disaster, big screen. He he's like Michael Bay. So he, <laughs> he was the Michael yeah, Bay of he, the early 2000s. Yeah, in the 90s and the 2000s. Yeah. So he did like Independence Day, Godzilla, The Day After Tomorrow, 2012, oh. 10,000 BC. These like major epic movies with crazy high budgets. And most of those were failures, which is interesting. <laughs> but yeah, yeah. I mean, well, I love Independence Day and The Day After Tomorrow I thought was pretty good. Yeah, th- those movies are good. Mm-hmm. But like 10,000 BC, that came out the, like the same year that Mel Gibson's rival movie came out, Apocalypto or whatever. Right. That movie was so much better than 10,000 BC. Yeah, I didn't see his movie either. You didn't see either of them? Mm-hmm. 10,000 BC is like a cartoon, mm-hmm. an unintentional cartoon. Like the CGI just wasn't quite there. Mm-hmm. And But Apocalypto's the shit. Hmm. That's like about Aztecs. Okay. They're like shooting people with darts and stuff. It's, it's just a good movie, action packed. Yeah, I remember I had the choice to watch that or watch Night at the Museum. So, so you picked Night at the Museum, <laughs> obviously. <Yeah. laughs> I mean, um, Robin Williams and Paul Rudd. Yeah, who's Paul Rudd in that movie? He plays a little mini soldier. He plays a little mini soldier. Yeah, I remember. Uh, I think he's Owen Wilson's with in it. Clive Owen, Clive Owen, and Paul Rudd are like fighting with each other because they're like mini soldiers and. Like, like centurions yeah. Uh, yeah i remember uh owen wilson being like one of the big names attached to it and he's not as big anymore but that yeah, was like the height of his career yeah you <laughs> you went through my notes i see and mm-hmm. you uh, i wrote the word duped in such a way that i knew what i was writing i did know 
how to spell it, but I write things when I'm like quick reading them so that I can know exactly how to pronounce what I'm saying. And you crossed out D-O-O-P-E-D with D-U-P-E-D. Yeah, because otherwise it looks like duped. Exactly. <laughs> That's how you pronounce it. That's why I wrote it that way. It's quick form for me to be able to like read it out loud. Otherwise you would have said duped. <laughs> I would. It looks weird. That's why I would have struggled with it anyway. I just think it's funny that you... You really like this terrible drink. I'm thirsty. Sorry. Um, the bad guy wants to own Ohio. I thought that was kind <laughs> of interesting that he wanted all of Ohio. And I thought that was funny because I can't think of a less appealing state to be like, that's the one I want. Right. So I also, like, I don't know if you noticed this. When they were, they, they like briefly showed the map. And you could see like all these like areas like colored, colored out. Like, I guess like what they were planning on doing with the states. And Florida was on there. And I was like, I don't think Florida was a state yet because it was owned by Mexico until. Florida? Yeah. It was owned by Mexico? Mm -hmm. I mean, I guess it was all owned by Mexico. If you No. So Florida was a Mexican country or whatever until um, I thought like the 1800s. But I could be wrong. It could yeah, have been before. Um, but I noticed it was on there and it said Florida and I was like, huh. That's not right. <laughs> I mean, there were 13 colonies. I can't imagine that they would mess that up. They certainly knew what Florida was. Florida wasn't one of the 13 colonies. Well, they still knew it as a territory. Like, right. territories were a thing. But it was like the shape of modern day Florida. I mean, I certainly didn't do the research into what was going on there. So I can't tell you you're wrong <laughs> okay. or you're right. Um. Yeah, probably the most interesting question I have for this movie is what does the armchair represent? And we seem to disagree on that. I actually have an answer and you don't. So, uh, <laughs> throwing some shade. Oh, oh, so one thing I did notice about this movie was that um, there was some, some, not Batman references, but a lot of the characters have been in Batman films. Like who? Well, obviously Heath Ledger. Heath Ledger, obviously. And then Tom Wilkinson was in Batman Begins. I think he played a gangster in that, if I'm not mistaken. I don't know. And then Dom Hall Logue, Donald Logue, the guy that you were talking about, was on a TV show. He played the dad. Um, he was on Gotham for a while. Yes, he was. Mm -hmm. He, I think he played Commissioner Gordon, actually. I don't know about that. But I think he's like the lead dude. Yeah. Yeah, that's right. Yeah, so there's some uh, Batman references for you. Huh. Hmm. He might have even been in Batman Begins, if, uh, maybe. Or no, the Dark Knight, he like has something stuck inside his, his stomach or whatever. It's a cell phone bomb. I don't know. Maybe I'm making shit up. I'm probably making shit up. So I really wanted Mel Gibson to kill the bad guy with the bullet made out of his kid's uh, chest piece, but he only shoots him. He misses because somebody bumps into him. And then I wanted him to, like, use his crazy tomahawk to, like, fucking scalp him or something. And then he fucks that up. And the guy, like, is really fucking up Mel Gibson. And then at the end, he just stabs him with random bayonets. It didn't feel as poetic as I remember it being. Right. Yeah. And that random, it was, like, just the top of the bayonet. It wasn't even, like, the whole gun. It was just, like, a right got, in the side kind of He got thing. him with a gun first. And then he stabbed him with, like, a couple of just the bayonets, like, ripping right. him off of guns. And Yeah. So... Mel Gibson's character was definitely getting beat up. Like, I was like, I don't think he's going to survive this. And then he, you know, he turns around and gets him real good. He's like, oh, I'm the lead of this movie. <laughs> but, like, in like you said with the medical stuff, at that period of time, 
pretty sure that would have been the end of him with all those cuts and wounds and shit. Unless he's, like, bathing in, like, vinegar or something. Infection had to be, like, a guarantee. Yeah. Well, I think that, like, a lot of, a lot of, like, um, germs have, like, been, gotten worse over the years because Mm -hmm. they're, they're, they've been able to, like, figure out how to get around antibiotics and, like. Adapted and grew and evolved. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, that's what I mean. Um. So, I mean, maybe they were just basic back then, but they still killed a lot of people. Germs, you some basic-ass bitches. <laughs> basic bitch germ. So, um, do you have anything else you want to talk about? Ink in the girl's tea? Yeah. I, I, that is not good for you. No, That's I can't imagine really, it is. really not good for and you. Your teeth are stained black for weeks. Yeah, and I, I think that would, like, really mess up your stomach, too. I mean, I'm... I imagine they all had diarrhea all day and all night <laughs> because, like, they don't know to cook food to 140 degrees and shit, like, mm-hmm. store things at 40 degrees. I bet they all just constantly had the runs. So maybe it just happened to be black that day, I imagine. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um, I think I talked about this, but the film was um, the, the film takes place in South Carolina, but it's also filmed in South Carolina, which I thought was really interesting. Um, cause a lot of times they just usually just, especially for holiday ho- Hollywood movies is they create sets. Um, but you can see the, like the haze in the air, like with, when the characters are walking and like how like wet and sweaty they are. And, for um, sure. you can see a lot of the Spanish moss and the trees. And, um, I was in South Carolina two years ago, two or three years ago with my mom and it was, it was really like that. It was really, mm-hmm. really beautiful. You brought so. me home some kick-ass peach tea. I did. I just drank the last of that, by the way. Oh. I'm very sad. We can order more if you want. Okay. Good to know. <laughs> but um, it's a beautiful place, and I really want to get back there one day. I love that state. It's a little hot for me, but it's a great time. Yeah. I went in the fall, so it wasn't... That's not bad. It wasn't really, really hot, but it was still pretty hot for yeah. the fall, so... I went to, during the summer, and we saw Mad Max, so it was like a hot movie, in a hot movie theater in a hot state. Jeez. Yeah, it was real hot. Yeah. So my my favorite setting in the movie is when they're at their their hideaway in the cemetery, um, where they like all meet. You know what I'm talking about? When the girl's house gets burned down, her plantation. No. So um, his the like militia, their like headquarters are in that um oh in the swamp in the swamp but it's like a cemetery too and it's just like really pretty and like kind of old looking and apparently they couldn't find a swamp to use so they had to uh flood a botanical garden to Hmm. make it look like that um but i just thought it was really pretty and was like oh i'd love to get married there it looks really nice oh (laughs) okay (laughs) well i hope you didn't just propose to me on my podcast (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> um okay so you definitely didn't just for the record everybody mom um <laughs> uh is there anything else you want to talk about with this movie no i think i'm good i i think that we both like this movie um so what's the que- the question you know what the question is are we gonna keep it or are we gonna dump it i say that you dump it because it's available on three different streaming services i concur oh i have one more story to tell about this. <laughs> okay so i own this movie on dvd Tim used to come over to my house every day. He basically lived at my house with me and he would spend the night for days on end. He'd go home, he'd take a shower and he'd come right back. He basically lived at my house. 
and uh, there was a day that he left, and I let him borrow the Patriot to watch at home, and then he came right back, and he left it at his house. Months went by, and I was like, hey, man, can I get the Patriot back? I'd like to watch it. And he's like, I don't have your movie. Two years went by. I was like, man, I'm pretty sure you still have that movie. He's like, I don't have it. I don't. Whoever you let borrow it, it's not me. Two years went by, and then he goes, Oh, hey, guess what I found? <laughs> and it was behind his desk. Anyway, so that's my probably most prevalent Patriot story is that Tim fucking accidentally stole it for two years. Did he watch the movie? Nope. <laughs> <laughs> I'm pretty sure it came to Netflix after during that two-year period yeah. of time. Aww. And then we watched it on Netflix. And I was like, you know, I'm pretty sure I own this movie, Tim. And he's just like, I don't have it. <laughs> Still behind your desk, Tim. Yeah. So, Tim, if you want it, you can have it now. <laughs> We're dumping it. I know you have another desk. <laughs> yep. <laughs> Alrighty. So, I want to say thank you to the Jazz June for the use of our song Viva La Speed Metal off of the album The Medicine. It's very good. I enjoy it very much and it's gotten me through some hard times. I also want to thank The Fat Rat for the use of the song Unity. You can find that music on YouTube. It's some fun, bouncy EDM that we use to end every episode and bring us in and out of the ad spots. If you want to email me, email me at discdumppod at gmail.com. That's D-I-S-C-D-U-M-P-P-O-D at gmail.com. Don't forget the little pee-pee in there. It's important. On Twitter, I'm at the discdump. On Instagram, discdumppodcast. On Facebook, Disc Dump Podcast fans to start some discussions in that group is a pretty great idea. Um, oh, so I started talking about this and then I didn't. The next episode is episode 25, y'all. 25! It's going to be episode 25. So I have gotten the most feedback about the terrible drink segment. Everyone seems to love it. So the next episode is going to be 25 episodes in review and the terrible drink special where we're going to be trying some very very special terrible drinks i already recorded part of it and the part that we recorded is without a doubt astoundingly the worst terrible drink ever (laughs) ever 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 i'll talk about it more next week i hope you guys are excited we might take a week off i think i might end up taking a week off so uh in one to two weeks episode 25 Lindsay. What would you like to recommend to the audience? Um, So I just read a really, really good book, and I keep telling everybody about it. So I'm I'm just going to tell the podcast about it. I know I've told you about it. Um, The book is called Darling Rose Gold by Stephanie Rubel. I don't know if I'm pronouncing that right. Um, But it is based on the true story of Dee Dee and Gypsy Rose Blanchard, who we know from um, a documentary that we – the act – the act TV show on, on Hulu. Right. But then um, before that, there was a documentary. We watched it and we painted D&D minis. Yes. What is that called? Mommy Dead and Dearest. And it is a crazy story about a mother and a child. And the child is grows up sick. And come to find out, the mother has been making the child sick. Um, Munchausen. Munchausen, yes. Instead of her, the child actually being sick. Um, so this is a fictional story as to what would have happened, um, if, um, the mother lived. Whoa. Yeah. That's exciting. Um, but it was a really good book and I highly recommend reading it and go do that. Awesome. (laughs) That sounds great. Okay. So everybody check out that book, which is once again called Darling Rose Gold by Stephanie Robel. Alrighty. Happy 4th of July, everybody. Take it easy. <laughs>